On today's episode, we have Miles and Heather joining us. Miles and Heather have been married for two years and have a lot to say about premarital counseling, pre-engagement counseling, and so much of the sort. And you may be wondering, Colton, why did you bring on people who have only been married for two years? Shouldn't you bring on someone who's been married for 40? And yes, we have done that and we will continue to do that. But I think there's something about, in some ways, the freshness of their marriage, that how recently they've done some of this premarital engagement, premarital counseling, that they know what you're thinking as you go into it. They know what they were thinking as you go into it. And they have quick responses and reflections about what was helpful, what was not helpful um, for the start of your marriage. So I think they'll be great. I'm excited for you guys to hear from them. Let's dive on in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am sitting here with Miles and Heather, and we're going to be talking a little bit about their story, a little bit about premarital preparation, pre-engagement preparation, marriage, uh, all of the sort. Um, but before we get into that, can you guys maybe just introduce yourself to us, kind of what's your story, um, what has brought you up to this point in your lives? Yeah, my name is Miles. I'm 28 years old. I work in the area of marketing, went to uh, Biola University for my undergraduate school, and let's see, we just had our second year anniversary uh, a couple days ago, which is pretty, pretty exciting. We made it two years. Um, <laughs> Congrats. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess for me, I mean, just, just inevitably part of my story is I grew up kind of in a really just classic evangelical Christian environment and home back in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we didn't really... I mean, when it comes to like things like the purity culture or even talk about sexuality, it's it's kind of exactly what you would expect um, in that environment, very mm-hmm. much towards the purity, abstinence, promise mm-hmm. keepers mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, just like a lot of people, I had a pretty intense uh, pornography addiction from like started middle school, basically up until my senior year of high school, and actually mm-hmm. had a pretty um, powerful redemption um from that really a, a removal in a remarkable way i won't, awesome. I won't go into all the details of yeah. that but it was, it was a really um turning point in my life and in my faith um so yeah just like throughout college for me um i didn't really have a concept of dating and then also going to a christian <laughs> school there's a non-dating culture yeah. that exists yep. um we, we love marriage but we have no idea how to get there yeah no, no <laughs> as, as soon as you go on a first date you're pretty much married to that person yeah. so you better not mess it up yeah um, i'm just kidding uh but that's how it feels that's how it, it feels it does it does it's yeah. really it's really sad in a lot of ways so, i mean i really had even kind of the whole like over emotional investment into somebody I was interested in <laughs> and not telling them that I liked them, but uh-huh. you know, they got to figure it out or we're just going to hang out. We're not actually going to go on a date. Mm-hmm. We're just going to, we're just going to hang out and hopefully things will work out. So I like, <laughs> I was a very, just like slow, um, bloomer when I actually came into dating, but well, it's like middle school all over again, where it's just kind of like you have, you like someone, but it's like, oh, I'm just going to kind of be around them. And then, <laughs> and then yes. you like, if it doesn't work out or whatever, you didn't even start dating, but it feels like you just lost. Like, oh yeah, it feels like a breakup. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if I can just get a hug from them, yeah. my life would be <laughs> so complete. Some recognition. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So one of my friends like really spoke a lot of truth into my life and encouraged me just to ask somebody on a date. And even though I got rejected the very first time I did that, mm-hmm. it was like the most freeing experience. Oh yeah. And even just having that clarity and hearing no was the best i like walked away smiling i was like thank you for telling me yeah. that have a great day i don't have to hold on to this for three years and no over it. it was it was great so i mean yeah my senior year of college it was it was really 
I basically like went on a date with like a different person every month and it was mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um because I learned so much about I learned so much about myself, but I also learned so much about even just like what like what I'm looking for in a life partner and what that could be, you know, if I end up did if I end up did getting married at that time. Mm-hmm. Um so mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. And, and I figured out, you know, even through that, different things like theologically about like gender and theology <laughs> and some of those things. That was a, a big part of my process as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, I mean, long story short, I heard about Heather from a mutual friend. Um, and basically, I was told if, if I were to um, ask her on a date, she'd say yes. So I was like, cool. <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> I'll do that. What's her number? So got her number and called her up. And then we started dating. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that that's that's a, a yeah. really brief history of my yeah. life there that's leading really up to good. when we started dating. I mean, I'm, yeah. <laughs> what about your end of the bargain, Heather? What was what was your story leading up to getting the the texture call oh. <laughs> from Miles? <laughs> Let's see. It's quite a bit of a story actually, but um, a similar story to, da- uh, to dating, um, where it wasn't okay to get to know more than one person mm-hmm. um a lot i just had to work through a lot for myself so i ended up reading this book with a bunch of girls from viola uh-huh. um, because we did want to step into dating um where we were excited and interested about the idea of marriage <laughs> but we didn't know how to start uh-huh. like what you were uh-huh. saying um and it was called a date worth keeping which mm-hmm. sounds really cheesy mm-hmm. but it was really most great. like <laughs> marriage and dating books even if they're like good books just always sound cheesy there's yes. no way to make it sound normal yep 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 <laughs> one of my friends brought it up um and i found her very inspiring mm-hmm. um as she entered into the dating world she called it fancy free um, but it was it like a cat food. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy free for your cat for yeah. your home. Yeah. But what I found really helpful is that it asked you to look into, um, what it is like, do you have a particular like dating cycle? Hmm. Um, is there something that you can recognize where you're not blaming it? Mm-hmm. Um, but Hey, like this is the pattern that I see in myself. Why is it there? Yeah. That's helpful. And so a pattern that I found for myself is that I would either go towards guys that were emotionally unavailable <laughs> or <laughs> if they were available, I found myself being emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. So it's helped me dig deep to why I have these particular fears yeah. um, that would lead me into stepping into relationships that subconsciously I knew like it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. Um, and then I also found that I would go and just when I went on a date, I would become so loyal on that one date um, where there was no backing or no foundation. Mm-hmm. So I'd continue to see that through. Not a mm-hmm. good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I was able to piece those things through, I found that it would be helpful for me to um, look at it or just taking a step back and looking at dating as a getting to know. Hmm. Um, just spending time, like hanging out not jumping in, but Mm -hmm. getting to know um, particular people. So um, guys knew that I was doing that. Um, So just taking that time and I was talking to a couple. Um, I ended up seeing Miles at a couple things at Biola and then also Mm -hmm. um, hearing about him from some mutual friends. Um, So I heard like great guy, like good character, (laughs) loves the outdoors. That's good. And I was like, okay, where is this awesome Christian guy? 
um, that <laughs> loves the outdoors. And so I was just like looking around, <laughs> was able he? to find him on campus. I'm like, Probably oh, outdoors. he's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. um, and found him to be like really confident in himself. And um, I was like, okay. So I told one of our mutual friends, hey, uh, can you just tell Miles that if he asked me on a date <laughs> that I'd say yes? Uh, and so that's how it happened. I did do, I also went through counseling myself and worked on those mm-hmm. pieces that I shared prior mm-hmm. um, before I stepped into dating like this or more intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. 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 I mean, that's that like what you said, like that's such a key piece too is, is I'm sure we've heard this a lot, but knowing that like you really can't like find if you're looking for fulfillment in mm-hmm. a significant other, yeah. like it's just not going to work until, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we all have some level of that. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's definitely mm-hmm. an unhealthy level of that um, and probably just a normal, like, I don't know, more normal level. But if that, if that is a sentiment that, you know, we're directly feeling, I mean, that's just gonna, that's gonna be really, really challenging. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and either it's going to come up while you're dating or if not, if, if you end up marrying that individual, it could even come up later in just different mm-hmm. patterns and tendencies mm-hmm. you have. And I mean, that's in part, that's why like we really want to go into pre-engagement mm-hmm. counseling. I don't want to jump the gun there, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that stuff is, it's helpful to recognize what your tendencies are mm-hmm. and what you're prone to. And even asking <clears throat> yourself, why do I want to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with, with anyone? Yeah. Well, that's why marriage, I think can be so scary for people. Well, maybe not consciously, but it's like, if you're not dealing with your stuff or going to counseling or figuring out your patterns or figuring out your concepts and ideals, it's going to come up in your marriage. <laughs> it might mm-hmm. come up five years down the road, 10 years down the road. And all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, where'd this come from? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe, yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you found a man who was neither emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. or made you emotionally unavailable. Right. Um, so yeah, maybe we can dive in a little bit to uh, why, before we get into maybe your story and some of your advice or just thoughts or recollections, um, why is it important to do premarital counseling, pre-engagement counseling? Isn't it, you know, isn't it just kind of like a job where, you know, you just, you figure it out once you start it? <laughs> why, why should we prepare for marriage? Why is that part important? Mm-hmm. Go first, oh sure. Okay. <laughs> Man, he's uh, more of the public speaker. So. <laughs> I love that's Don't okay. It's a podcast. This question. is a this is a conversational kind of thing. Yeah, the mics aren't even here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no one's listening to this. You're fine. <laughs> Nobody. Man, I mean, the simple fact that you have two, like, you have two human beings who, even if they grew up in the same, um, like culture they still have their own like family culture friend culture we went to um we went to two rival schools um uh-huh. which that didn't we that, that in terms whole, of colleges yeah in terms of colleges so yeah. you went to azusa yeah, yeah to azusa, i went to biola so that was a whole separate a big deal. it was a whole separate counseling thing yeah, before we started dating we wanted to make sure that that was well real. you had to convert her to christianity first before you could really start dating actually it was the opposite believe it or not <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a podcast no, we're working it, on the, the true the true faith. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to, you just have two very different people who are coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you believe it or not, there are so many things that even just to be aware of them and to realize, okay, like this is happening, and why is it happening? And if you can identify what those areas where you're gonna find. Um, conflict or the rub between you two in a relationship going to marriage like it's just helpful to know mm-hmm. that you know you're not it's not to solve all your problems I feel like for me a lot of it was an awareness of it and then even with our counselor we went to a, uh, we went to a, a licensed um, marriage and family therapist 
and it was it was kind of like a, a lab environment where she could identify and, and hmm. bring up things <laughs> and and see how we work through it and then simply commentate on it. Yeah. Um, so we weren't surprised when we had conflict. It was more how do we manage it? Hmm. So, I mean, that's such a big thing that you've probably heard people talk about is conflict management versus um, avoiding conflict in a marital context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, we learned from our friends, too, about their experience um, as they stepped into marriage, either with having premarital counseling or not. Um, and then also different avenues of how they went about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to be with a licensed therapist who had training in that aspect and could identify different things mm-hmm. um, or questions to ask us that mm-hmm. we weren't thinking of. Um, there were like a couple um big like drop so to speak that we didn't talk about yet (laughs) (laughs) um and as we had that brought to light and talked through it uh it was so helpful and especially like to be able to create that foundation and understand the why behind certain things Mm. um so that we could identify for that um that for ourselves as well as Mm -hmm. for each other yeah um so even something like smaller, for instance, where I'm way more introverted and he's way more extroverted. And so he's always like ready to go, which mm-hmm. I find so inspiring. Like all throughout <laughs> work, when he comes home, like he's good to go. But I do need that space mm-hmm. and to be able to replenish. And if he didn't know that about me, he'd be like, is she mad at me? Mm-hmm. Is she upset? Like, what did I do wrong? But he has that context for myself of like, oh, she just needs space. Yeah. And we understand that and we're good to yeah. go. Yeah. Um, but being able to have that, um, I was going to say something else, but I forget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even for, even for couples, especially if, if people get married within a couple of years, I mean, the honeymoon phase is definitely a real thing. I mean, there's definitely a heightened infatuation when you're mm-hmm. first getting to know somebody because mm-hmm. it's brand new, um, and you want to you want to love them, so you want to mm-hmm. overlook or ignore um, things that are different or their flaws or whatever. Um, and so, having a counselor who can give you honest feedback in yeah. that regard is 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 tough sometimes, but super helpful. I think our first <laughs> our first three or four counseling sessions ended in one of us crying or both of us crying um we'd like yeah. we'd, we'd have to like debrief in the car yeah and like talk about it and then we just see our counselor walk out like just like popping like some chips in her mouth like, oh, yeah, we did like oh i had a great day and we're like she has no idea but she knew no, she, she knew, knew everything yeah, yeah. yeah. she's a very wise yeah. woman she she crushed it yeah <laughs> yep yep and crushed us in the process <laughs> But for the better, in a good way. So yes, what? What way. made? What was it about you guys that made you trust, like that the counseling process was going to be a good thing? Because I, I have some friends in my own life where it's just, I thought people go to counseling just when they have issues or they say when they have problems, um, and then even when they go in and, <clears throat> and they like face something tough, sometimes there's something in us that like just doesn't want to believe it or doesn't want to accept it, and that's why counselors often seem so scary or I think seem so. Even like, oh, I had a terrible experience with the counselor. He made me cry. <laughs> like, well, what was your cry about? But anyway, um, what was it about you guys that gave you the confidence to stick with counseling, to seek it out? Um, what what was it in your mindset that, that showed you that this was something that actually you could benefit from rather than waiting until you had a problem and then going to counseling? I'd say, well, for me personally, from the context that I was coming from, 
um, because I did have that perspective mm-hmm, before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I would blame it on certain things. And this was, I did have like issues that were arising, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's this or it's because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when well, you had done previous counseling, like individual right, counseling. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it was the fear that was keeping me back hmm. um, where if these particular things were brought to light, like, how can I handle this? So what am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like throughout that process and for having a support of people um, around me as I stepped into these different things about myself and then um, experiencing the healing and restoration that God did within me um, as these different things were brought to light, um, where if I didn't do it, I wouldn't experience that healing hmm. and I wouldn't be um, able to operate in the way that I do today. Yeah. So having experienced that previously and then hearing from our close friends what they've experienced and what they wish they would have known or talked about um, before they stepped into marriage, um, how that would help produce a stronger foundation or set them up way better. And Miles had um, people speak into his life about that as well. So I think that went into me trusting it and desiring that. Yeah, for me, it was really, I mean, I think I'm, I've been fortunate just how I was either, I don't know if it was how I was raised or just the people I was around that were very encouraging towards it. So that was really helpful for me. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't have a negative connotation of it as much, especially in, in the marital context too. I think, especially in Christian culture, it is a very normal thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually more surprised to hear how many people don't do it. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of a, a standard, yeah. um, or even just how short it is sometimes. Um, yeah, it's like three sessions. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, my neighbors one. have been married for 50 yeah. years, and we talked to them for an evening about marriage, and yeah. we're good to go, you know? Um, yeah. Well, then, it's almost like it's like they do it with the pastor who's going to officiate the wedding. Yeah. But half the time, they're just talking about the details of the wedding. And so it's not really like premarital engagement kind of counseling. It's more of just like a check-in. Where do you see the biggest problems? Oh, communication. Oh, here's some tips <laughs> for communication, which is important. But again, it's not, I think, what you guys went through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, the reason why we chose pre-engagement overall um, is that, like, weddings in America are crazy. You know, no matter mm-hmm. how much time you have, you're just going to fill it up with, like, just nonstop <laughs> stress intensity. <laughs> not everyone. I know some people are pretty chill. But at least for us, we know that we're going to get... Like uh-huh. we're, we're, we're go-getters and we're just gonna, we're gonna make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I haven't really... met many people who weren't stressed preparing for their marriage. Uh, I mean, yeah. other than like a few guys that just checked out right. <laughs> and yeah. let the, his spouse or anything, which I'm like, that's a problem in its own right. Yes. Um, but I'm like, man, marriages are so stressful. I'm like, why yeah. isn't this, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's such a joyous thing once you get there, but I'm like, why is this so awful? But we're yeah. not, we're not going to get into that. Yeah. That's a whole other uh, podcast. <laughs> um, but anyway, keep going. Yeah. So we, we really wanted to have the time and space needed. Um, we made ourselves available for the work that we wanted to do um, in ourselves and as a couple go before we even got engaged. Um, so really we did engagement with an open end to it. We didn't have a set number mm. of sessions. We didn't have a timeline. Um, it was once we get to a place where we feel like we're ready to be married, um, then we'll, you know, then we'll get engaged and then we'll give ourselves, you know, we'll, we'll figure out those details. Mm-hmm. Um, and, as, and yeah, it, it wasn't like a very like 
super cookie cutter process, but it did eventually get to a place where, huh, like, I, th- I think we can get engaged now. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's do that. You know, and we have cried know, enough times in counseling. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. we got it. Yes. When you cry four times, you can get engaged. Um, we actually, yeah, we actually like booked a venue, like even before we got engaged, we were, mm-hmm. but, but when we did that though, we were way more confident yeah. um, going into it. We knew this was the right decision. Um, and then when the time came, like our counselor also happened to know the day we were going to tell her we were done. Um, she just kind of looked at it and said, well, I think, I think that's it. Or like, I oh. think we're good here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know too. That's awesome. That's that's a good that's thing. That's pretty encouraging. It, it was great. And well, then it's either really good or really bad. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, yeah. Either it's like I've stories. had enough. You guys are terrible. I'm just going to move on. Or it's really good, and it's like, okay, you guys have you guys have done it. We're good. Yeah. 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 And I mean, too. I mean, this might make a lot of sense, but some people, she said, would come to her like a couple weeks before they got married and she'd see like five or six red flags and would actually mm-hmm. not recommend they get married at that time. But yeah. by the time you do that, you know, especially if people have booked plane tickets and all this investment and time's gone into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just have all these sunk costs and mm-hmm. people that have made plans that that'd be devastating to, to do. Mm-hmm. And so then some, I've heard of some people calling it off, but some people go through with it and then they just got to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, after that. Um, so yeah, by the time we got engaged though, we, um, it was nice to be able to put our time and even emotional energy, um, into the actual like Mm -hmm. event planning process. I mean, that's just the whole thing in of itself. So that was a big reason too, was just really giving ourselves the space we needed. Um, I couldn't imagine trying to plan a wedding and do all the personal work, um, that went with our mm-hmm. pre-engagement counseling at the same time. So maybe we can dive in. We'll get into some tips, <laughs> some advice, um, but something specific about and unique about your guys' story. You guys did pre-engagement counseling, which mm-hmm. I know for some listeners will be like, why would you do that if you're not even engaged yet? But I know it was really beneficial, and I actually probably agree with you. That's, I think, I mean, you're not going to give a flat out, this is what you should do to prepare for marriage um, but I actually think that's that's more important because once you get engaged, it's kind of like, okay, we're committed, we're going, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So you should like do all the prep work before you put that full-on commitment because engagement is pretty much mm-hmm. just pre-marriage. <laughs> it's right. like commitment. Like yeah. once you're engaged, you post on Instagram and it's kind of like, okay, we're just we have to just plan the thing now. Yeah. But why why was why was it maybe so helpful and why would you maybe encourage other couples to do pre-engagement counseling while they're just dating? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Well, one thing is like once you get engaged, it just goes into and people are really excited for you. You know, mm-hmm. you're really excited, too. Um, but it does go towards all the planning. So, like, what are you going to do for this, this and this? And you just mm-hmm. get so engulfed in that. Um, so, like, looking back on that, I was like, oh, I'm so glad like we talked through these things prior to that because mm-hmm. um, it really is like full force. I also think it could be, or I would feel a lot of pressure, like if that's something that we decided and then, yeah, we announced on Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm, to the mm -hmm. whole world, um, we step into premarital counseling, we find this red flag that we don't feel like we want to continue to step in together. Oof. Like, Mm -hmm. that just feels like that would be so much pressure. And I think people are scared to get into premarital counseling, pre-engagement counseling, Mm. because they don't want to find the red flag. They just want to make it work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know people that are so, so courageous um, that did learn that thing or a red flag about Mm -hmm. it, and then they chose not to. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
so inspiring and courageous. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I see like that, wow, like so much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a couple things. Yeah, I mean, even for us, even if someone wants to explore what that might be like, because um, I know counseling, you know, can cost money and there are, there are various resources available um, to help with some of those things. But especially if you want to kind of get a, a sense of what that process is like, we actually went through a book. Um, mm-hmm. There's tons of different books out there, but this one's mm-hmm. really practical and kind of more along the pre-engagement line. It's, it's really a primer for if that's really a process you're ready to step into. What was it called? It was uh, 21 questions to ask before you save the date. Oh. <laughs> I don't get any um, kickback from that. So you're welcome company, <laughs> whoever you are. Um <laughs> And it was great. I mean, it was it was it was definitely more basic than what we went into um, with the counseling because that had an assessment that we went through and a whole curriculum. Uh, but this was just kind of starting to get a feel for oh, these are these are the types of questions that mm-hmm. are really good to talk through. And, and and yeah, like Heather said before, it's sometimes you just don't know what to ask. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Is um, I heard this term yesterday. It's called second. Uh, second order or second level second order ignorance um and it's not like even if you're really well intentioned it's not that you are choosing to not know it's you don't even know what you don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah 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 so that's really how we felt about it. we're like we we just we want to really make sure that's a perfect that... description i think for what marriage is yeah <laughs> you just don't know what you don't know exactly <laughs> yeah yeah some things we aren't a surprise about we keep learning things, yeah but... there's there's just things that keep popping up yeah. and you know i just take take a lifetime even my parents you know they've been married for 30 plus years and mm-hmm. i remember a couple of years ago like my dad said something about i was like i didn't know that <laughs> you know <laughs> like, like they're still almost like offended things. like what the heck <laughs> yeah yeah so really it's it's just trying to to give yourself the time and space to identify the areas that you're not even aware of and and being able to work through the things mm-hmm. that are going to be challenging mm-hmm. and the tools of how to do that yes mm-hmm. and we're not saying like hey one month in a dating no, <laughs> get don't, it don't pre pre it's like be chill about it but at the same time i it's almost to me that's what the christian vision for dating should be it's people older than you are like coming alongside you and helping you ask the questions you don't know to ask or should help you know the things you don't even know to know um, but we date in isolation um, so often so that we have to do premarital counseling um, just to even get another perspective other than mm-hmm. just, you know, a bunch of people excited about the details of the marriage mm-hmm. um, or some guys excited for you to have sex. That's like that's mm-hmm. the most preparation you get is like details. And then like here's some sexual stuff that's really actually even not that helpful. <laughs> but like here it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're we're dating in a way that's such an isolation. It's almost just like figure out how to love each other, figure out how to love yourself, figure out your dating habits by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why, I mean, after a certain period of time of dating, when you feel like we're ready to take the next step, I think pre-engagement counseling is a good idea. So maybe mm-hmm. what what are kind of some of the big things that you, again, you don't know what you don't know. So what were the things that you wish you would have known or wish you would have known to ask? And what are some of the perspectives or ideas that you learned that you wish, okay, I wish I didn't learn that because that's a bad perspective or bad idea. So what are, what are the positives and what are the negatives um, looking back? Hmm, good question. Specifically to uh, counseling or? To like marital prep okay, mm-hmm. or marital marriage general. itself. Okay. Yeah. I'd say, well, something that I wish I didn't learn um, that has taken in 
a lot of work and still working on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is this idea of like or gender roles within mm-hmm. marriage. Um, so I grew up in a family where my dad was seen or is seen as the head of the household. Mm-hmm. And so he would um, like he would do all the work external and then my mom would do everything inside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's just very distinguished. My dad would make the decisions growing up in um, what well, group Lutheran, but then went to evangelical, mm-hmm. non-denominational mm-hmm. that men were seen as the spiritual head, all mm-hmm. those pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I went through my 20s, I had that same idea. Mm-hmm. And then I was just completely rocked. And I'm like, what? So I went like opposite way. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course, you <laughs> have to. Came very angry. Yeah. 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 Um, came to more of a medium-ish, but probably more on the feminist side. Um, <laughs> in, in churchy terms, egalitarian. <laughs> oh, very much so. Yes. Third wave. Third wave. Yeah. 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 Third wave. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was a process for me and a journey. But maybe talk talk a little bit more. Why was that mm-hmm. so damaging? Even if they don't end up landing in an egalitarian camp, still maybe think the man is the head in some ways. But still, how we do it, I think, a lot of times and how we talk about it yeah. is very harmful no matter what camp you're in. So what what specifically, because I know there's probably a lot of people listening right now that are yeah. exactly in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say because um, I have been able to experience complementarian in a healthy way, mm-hmm. but um, growing up um, and seeing it in an unhealthy way mm-hmm. where I'd say something that was really damaging for me is that my voice didn't seem to matter Hmm. um, and wasn't heard. Mm -hmm. And so I came to believe that for myself and then find myself going towards men that were Hmm. the decision makers, Hmm. but then they also didn't see my my voice as valid or Hmm. important as well. Um, And what you see in your relationship, so in dating, um, marriage, it's such an intimate relationship that all of these things come out about yourself that you otherwise Mm -hmm. wouldn't notice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I was able to put that together, I saw how that impacted my work, um, my friend relationships, where um, my voice, I just wouldn't bring it up. I didn't see that it mattered in any of those capacities. Um, And with that healing aspect, finding a man who really valued my voice and saw me as a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something I wish I didn't go through or wasn't a process that I needed to go through, but thankful for Mm -hmm. the healing aspect of it and where I am today. And would you say a lot of that, even maybe in you talk about dating patterns and Mm -hmm. dating certain types of guys, would you say a lot of that was just even subconscious where it's not necessarily that you're like, I feel like I don't have a voice. I'm going to find a man who doesn't give me a voice, but it was something almost just seemed natural or comfortable for you Mm -hmm. because of your upbringing. Um, Because I feel like that's that's why going into premarital counseling, going into individual counseling, it's showing you patterns that right. you can see what the narrative or belief underneath the pattern is because we don't see the beliefs. Mm-hmm. So you're finding men who end up hurting you. Right. But it's just because that's what you learned right. um, growing up. Which, but that's that's so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially meeting a guy like Miles, who <laughs> hopefully is the is the antidote in some ways to that, yeah, but sure. through other means of healing as well. Mm-hmm. But what about for you, Miles? What is maybe one good thing or one negative thing? Um, about marriage that you wish you would have known. Hmm. This just this this is one thing that came up, um, and it's probably not it's not really talked about 
it's just not talked about like especially in the church where there's not a lot of resources that mm-hmm. are like for in-person discussion but even just even just like a practical guide to sex like like in a way mm-hmm. of such that like man it's one of those things just like any other um way you get to know yourself or somebody else is like it's such a process and it's like <laughs> like it's not it's not something that you're just naturally like know what to do or how to do and <laughs> yep. it's like it, it's awkward you know like like it's uh-huh. like it's the like the our wedding night was like more awkward by the most mm-hmm. awkward compared mm-hmm. to like any anything and now. you're not alone in that by far no absolutely not but like no one is willing to talk about it and it's uh-huh. weird it's like it's more weird that we don't talk about it now that i think about it but also the fact it's like it's almost and i hate that we do this it's almost like you're not like it's almost like a club like like mm-hmm. you're not in the sex club until you get married it's a mile high club but it's yeah. a spiritual high club it's like yeah it's this like <laughs> spiritual thing and, and and until you get there like no one's going to talk about it or no one will even like give you a book to look at and i don't know if that's mm-hmm. out of fear of like oh this is going to cause people to lust or whatever um i'm like don't you don't have to worry about books we have porn game of thrones i know There's right so many other things other than like a practical book yeah it's just weird so i mean one of my friends is is, is really um he was just really helpful and like had he was willing to have some very frank conversations mm-hmm. with me um before we got married um and i really really appreciated that um even just like just starting to set expectations mm-hmm. um and even just some really practical things i'll spare you the details but mm-hmm. it was just it was just helpful you know and 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 i mean I, I mean i can't speak for heather but i know that you've had conversations with some of your friends as well that have probably been a lot more helpful even just to even if it's not like nitty-gritty but just hearing mm-hmm. like how like their like sexual relationship has developed over time you know even just hearing conversations mm-hmm. like that um i think that could be really helpful and i'm, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that that's some of the things you're able to discuss here on, yeah on the podcast, well that's that's but, one area that i'm still i i've been waiting to get a few episodes under the belt so i get some trust with my audience right. <laughs> before i go into maybe a more nitty-gritty podcast but sure. that's that's an area that specifically I'm hoping to have an episode on just because, I mean, the reality is, is that I think we've adopted the sexual narrative of our culture that says sex is awesome and it's great and it's exhilarating all these things. But then we just kind of slap some spiritual language over. It says, just don't do it until you're married. But then you turn it on and all of a sudden it's just, you know, orgasm heaven, basically. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, or not. But that's, that's the narrative. It's like, oh, yeah, I just got married and me and my wife have sex all the time and it's awesome and it's great. And I'm like... Okay, that's not realistic. You yeah. just you're adopting this narrative that mm-hmm. culture's telling us that it's the most pleasure-inducing, awesome, great experience, and we're just saying, "Amen," but just wait. And right. I'm like, what if the biblical way is? Yeah, there can be an aspect of pleasure, of course, and different things like that. But what is the purpose of sex? What is it for? How do you do it? What are the pitfalls of it? Why is this different from person to person? What are the ways you need to go about this? We There's no manual other than you get maybe a little bit of conversations with one friend. Right. Um, but all the other wise mentors are just like, here's some wise expectations. Uh, just, you know, it's going to be great, but take your time. And it's yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not yeah. helpful. And it's Thanks. Like, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I agree with you so much where it's like, wait a second, you pastor, leader, whatever, you've been having sex for 30 years. And what you've said from whatever, this is the best advice you've got. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I have so many people that have watched me like my honeymoon was terrible because it was just regret. Mm. Um, They they didn't have as much pleasure and orgasm as they they thought they should have. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, did we marry the wrong person? This Mm -hmm. is supposed to just flow naturally Mm -hmm. and great Mm -hmm. once you found your soulmate. 
Um, so I hope to get into that totally. <laughs> eventually in a nitty gritty way. I was hoping to bring on a sex therapist even. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's I mean that's a that's a big one um, that I think millennials are talking about a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but that's just because we're already having sex a lot more before marriage than any other generation. So it's kind of like you can't lie to us about it. Right. Um, we know how it works. Um, but we're also, I think, lied to by porn, um, especially mm-hmm. for males. Women, it's growing as well. But porn is giving us such a terrible representation mm-hmm. of what sex is like, what pleasure looks like, what the roles even of men and women in sex is. Mm. Um, so that's a big area. But what else? Maybe what are what are some other positive and negatives you wish you would have known about marriage in general? Hmm. Positives and negatives. Well, <laughs> another thing that I was working through too, I was so afraid of marriage, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the commitment part, like mm-hmm. what is something, I just had this idea that there was going to be something so huge that I would find out afterwards mm-hmm. or just so much fear going into it. Um, and I just said during our, our second year, it's like marriage is so, it's just been so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like so much of it. Well, is, you're only in year two. Once you I get know. to year 30, you know, everything hits the fan. I hear those different things. <laughs> I, it's just smooth sailing is what I was told. After year three, it's just all, it's all downhill. It just, yeah, it just runs itself. That's true. You yeah. don't have to work on it after year three. You just kind of let it roll down the hill. Yep. And it'll crash at the end, but that's okay. <laughs> Enjoy the process. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. There's, like, different things, like, as we go through the process. But um, just being able to, just, like, with pre-engagement and the tools that we were given and how we're able to communicate and um, support each other in different, whichever path that we're going towards. It's just been, um, it's been really, really great. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if there's anyone who's listening who does have these different fears. Um and it's important to look at those mm-hmm. um, and where that's coming from. But mm-hmm. um, that's another thing that I work through and was happy to find. Yeah. We're, I feel like Christian culture gives us a lot of fear about marriage, rightfully so in some ways, because we look at the previous generations and it's 50% divorce rate, mm-hmm. um, which is something we don't really talk about in terms of just biblical whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different angles on that. But then it makes you so terrified because it's like, one, what if something I find out terrible about him comes out 20 years from now and it changes everything? What if just something radically changes? Or what if I end up like that couple or like mm-hmm. my parents um, or like this group of couples that's they're 30 years married, but they're miserable. They're just mm-hmm. together because they're not allowed to get a divorce, but they're absolutely miserable and their only hope is their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of kids who grew up in families like that where it's like they just saw their parents. They're still married. But they hardly ever talk. They hardly ever communicate. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to get married if this is yeah. what it looks like? So that's that's totally understandable because, I mean, I think that's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what else? What about for you, Miles? What else has come kind of come up? Hmm. I'm getting more into, like, the advice category. I'm just trying to think of things actually no, I, wish okay. I wish I would have known. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could talk about, well, like, the sexual, uh, sexual shame aspect for me. Because mm-hmm. um, we're growing up. Um, just been told, yeah, it is like the purity ring and Mm -hmm. that to the extreme that women aren't sexual or they don't Mm -hmm. have any sexual desires. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that was, or as that comes up for me, I just shut it down. Mm -hmm. So when you had to for your whole life until you get married. (laughs) So then going into marriage and it's like, okay, now you can experience it and it's okay Mm -hmm. to be sexual. It's like, 
what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. Like, how do how am I just supposed to turn that on? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's still a process yeah. like, for me and for our relationship, like being able to turn that on or working mm-hmm. on turning it on because it's been suppressed for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that gives them the question of what what does like living out your sexuality look like um, as a single person or even in dating? You know, what mm-hmm. what is what is, again, a, a guide to that look like? Because, um, yeah, it's really it's either if in, in, in Christian culture, you can basically view it as if you're married or not. Like if you're mm-hmm. married, you get to you get to enjoy all the benefits of that. And if mm-hmm. you're not, then it's like, too bad. Put, put that away. <laughs> Don't touch that. Yeah. Don't bounce do your it. eyes. Yeah. And, and there is stuff. I mean, there's there's stuff in Proverbs that does speak about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, where he's talking to. But then the next book right after it is yeah, Song of Solomon. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the idea of like what I mean, even the idea of what does it mean to awaken sexual desire when they're mm-hmm. talking about it? You know, is he mm-hmm. talking about like actually like going and having sex or is he talking about just general desire? You know, mm-hmm. and that, that's like that's probably worth digging into with with the the proverbist mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in that sense. But yeah, you do have Song of Solomon that mm-hmm. gives a very passionate picture mm-hmm. um, of what that looks like. But again, that's still in the context of, of marriage there um, for what I can see. Um, <laughs> it's not conclusively clear, but we, we I guess. don't think they were, I don't think they were single. I don't think it was talking about two single people who yeah. found each other. Um, so yeah, what does that, what does that really look like um, as an individual? Um, but maybe, maybe even just hearing from people um and this is probably the importance of having community involved in your relationship, but but really ha- hearing from people that you know and trust um, from them, like what was challenging, you know, your first couple years of marriage or what didn't you know or didn't expect and um, what, how have you changed for the better? I think sometimes we, we really can focus on like the trepidation, like you said, like there's this, there's this high kind of reverence for marriage that sometimes we we approach with maybe a little too much fear and trembling and we don't hear as much about like the ways that it's not impacted the couple themselves but is either mm-hmm. impacted like people around them communities how has yeah. it allowed them to be more um effective for the kingdom as a couple than as individuals what does that look like um yeah i think just being able to dig into people's lives more around you um mm-hmm. and we had done some of that but it would have it'd probably been great to hear even more of that you know and just soaking up um knowledge and wisdom from from the people around us yeah yeah what is maybe conflict resolution looked like um in your marriage or even in your premarital process because um, i know conflict is a big buzzword everyone knows communication is important in marriage that's a big thing and everyone knows conflict like conflict's gonna happen but I still feel like we don't have a really great and robust understanding of what conflict is, how to resolve it, and why it's even necessary in some ways in a marriage. So what what is conflict? Kind of what role has it played in your guys' marriage? Well, I can think of, um, again, like the process of coming in. It's like fear of conflict. Um, avoid it and it'll be all right. <laughs> but you just don't look at it, it'll that, go away. Yeah. Just slams um, the door. That's how it starts. <laughs> Get out. It, sleep on the couch. Yeah, it's on the floor. It just builds up. Not good. Um, Not the couch part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'd say, like, the role that it um, is played out is that being able, I think just so big, like, to be able to understand each other's conflict styles mm-hmm. and being able to communicate and talk through it with one another. 
And it has so many benefits, which sounds ironic probably to most because um, it's like fear you don't want to rock the boat or these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so good um, to be able to talk about these different things. And you have two two people, so you're going to have different perspectives mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, desires or way to go about different things. Um, and being able to hear that from each other will lead us to or like a better place or refine mm-hmm. um, the direction that we're going. Um, One of you don't have conflict. There's no way you married like a twin version of yourself. There's right. something in the human psyche that you're looking for some complementarity in it. Um, you're looking for shared interests in a lot of mm-hmm. things, but this is a reason why you hardly ever see the same Enneagram numbers marrying each other, the same mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs number, the same personality types. There's, it's never the same exact personality mm-hmm. type. There's always a difference. So if there's a difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means there's going to be conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for you, Miles? What does it look like for you? Yeah, I mean, the thing, the, the conflict that's been the most productive, um, so to speak, um, is one even just when we're ready in a place to talk. Um, we don't, we don't have too many like heated and emphatic arguments. They're actually, mm-hmm. they're actually sometimes even a conversation that sounds kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be emotion behind it. And, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll both at the same time or at different times have, you know, tears and, and hurt mm-hmm. being expressed. Um, but really coming from a place of, of asking questions and listening. I mean, that's always for, at least for me, like the first thing I want to do is to me it's more important that she is like heard and understood more than I get like my point across or communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm really really hurt, sometimes that that does take yeah take the priority for me. Um, but especially if I can see that something is wrong, and and I, I I'll I'll even sit and like by myself and like think through like mm-hmm. what could it possibly be. So even to like prepare myself to hear what is it the thing that like has happened. Um, mm-hmm. whether it was something I did or something else that happened. I think I, I have a tendency to take the responsibility upon myself for the reason why she might be upset um, before even mm-hmm. assuming it could be just a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been mm-hmm. both of those sometimes. But at least for me, the reason why I do that um, is so that I am emotionally prepared to hear anything that could potentially be a surprise yeah. or devastating and even just be willing to accept I did mm-hmm. something wrong or I could have done something wrong. And not be wrong. defensive. And or, not be defensive yeah. about it. Exactly. Yeah. So so whether or not like my assumptions are true and, and we could talk all about is that a healthy way to go about it, but I'm at least prepared. <laughs> I'm at least prepared to hear and, and, and respond in a way that's going to be, wow, like, yeah, like I can see why that hurts you or I did hurt you and I'm sorry. You know, I can, mm-hmm. I can, I can admit that. Um and that's, I mean, it's hard to do. It's really humbling. You know, it's, it's a humbling thing. Um, but I agree with Heather. It, it makes you better people. Um, but really what, what we do is we talk through it. We, we talk through the issues. Um, and like, there's a couple things that we could think of that, that come up continually, you know, um, one is just like how we, um, in certain situations present ourselves in social circumstances. I, that's number one. That's like the number one thing. I, I love breaking, I love breaking social norms. And sometimes I do it intentionally Mm -hmm. in a way where I just, I really don't care, but Mm -hmm. in certain, in certain aspects, whether it's, um, with family or close friends, um, especially probably with like family. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, it, I mean, it comes down to first impressions, really, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's it's. That's what we figured out. We in figured our, it out. In yeah. Our conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's well, the first time meeting somebody. Sometimes I'll do some weird stuff because to me, a first impression is about being memorable, mm-hmm. regardless of. And mm-hmm. I can be too proper. 
yeah. so two extremes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, again, it's it's also our perspective on things, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and and we can laugh about it now, but it's actually been a really hard mm-hmm. conversation. Oh, yeah. And this came up in premarital, um, and was like a. It, it, at times, I think we both could say, like, is this really going to work out? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but we leaned in and pressed into it because we wanted to – for us, it wasn't – it didn't get to the place of being a deal breaker. But it, it, if anything, that could have been um, – could have been one. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it seem like a rejection? It seemed like a rejection yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, a piece of, of, of devaluing yeah. for Heather yeah. and, and mm-hmm. not, not respecting mm-hmm. her. Um, and so for both of us, actually, we've had to flex on – um, what that looks like or in moments where it's been hurtful um, be willing to forgive and, and be, grace, be, be gracious in that mm-hmm. um, and I think the cool thing about for us being in, in, in a marital relationship is like I find safety in that relationship knowing that like okay you're not going to leave me like over this like thing. Cause when you're dating, it's kind of like you're figuring out, is this the right person for me? So mm-hmm. anytime there's a conflict for me, it would, it, I'd be thinking like, Oh, this is like, this is it. Like she's going to break up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like for us, like a marriage commitment holds yeah. a lot more weight to it. And so mm-hmm. we find safety in our commitment there. Um, which is nice because then we can go into conflict knowing, okay, <laughs> we can talk about this mm-hmm. and we're, probably going to still be together tonight yeah. like i'm 99. no one no one's going anywhere sure. yes yeah <laughs> totally so yeah it, it does change things a bit um but we have had a really good practice of that in our dating relationship um i think we both have just had a lot of work that we've done individually and and people who have walked us through these processes or even just interpersonal conflicts with family and, and friendships to where um we both have a willingness to step into it, um, even when it's really hard. And sometimes it takes some time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you got to let things cool down a bit, um, mm-hmm. take a walk or even just even just do something else, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like do something else for a little bit and then talk mm-hmm. about it later, table yeah. it for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are those are some ways that I've, I've thought about it and kind of how I see our what our process looks like. I don't know if there's anything else that kind of that involves or what that's looked like for you, Heather, but. It's pretty good. Good description. Oh, thank you. Well, it seems like you guys are, are trying to live out, I think, the biblical mandate of seeking the other's interests over your own. I mean, even in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about in the sexual relationship, not considering your body your own, but giving it to the other, which is one of the main reasons I lean more egalitarian, <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's like in the sexual relationship, we're not, no one's taking the lead. We're both giving our body. It doesn't belong to us. We're seeking the interests of the other. Um Except for, you know, the first impressions. I'm with you, Miles. Like, my first impressions, I liked it within the first f- five sentences. Talk about how I work at a church and then, like, drop an F-bomb or something. <laughs> just, yes. just to break all norms. Shatter the ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's that to me, that shouldn't be a conflict. Miles, you're right. You know. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll seek counseling. Yeah. If I ever get married. We'll talk about it in the car. Yeah, yeah that's something go. I'm going to have to work through. Um, okay. Maybe we can end with, with one last question. Um what would maybe be your hope for couples um, in like approaching marriage? Let's focus on couples who aren't married yet. What would be your, your hope for couples as they approach marriage? Um, kind of a general broad thing. And then maybe a second little part of that is how can the church come alongside that process? Mm-hmm. I would say, and this is coming like from my perspective and my story, um, but I would say, um, 
taking the space even like before stepping into dating of um, looking at yourself, like different things that you might see patterns of or that you'd want to work through. Um, we said like previously it could be this idea that um, counseling or only stepping into that if you see yourself have a particular problem. But I think everyone could really benefit from that. Or even having um, how you're saying you can be in so much isolation um, mm -hmm. where people aren't speaking into your life, but allowing for that. Um, and then uh, dating or in preparation of marriage, um, so huge again of people being able to speak into your lives and asking for that. Yeah. Um, not being fearful of that because if you're not able to address these things or have these things brought to light um, and you are in this space of unknowing, it's going to continue on um, until you're able to be open to that. And that's where the healing comes. Um, and there's like the beauty of relationship, the foundation for that. So I guess being open um, to hearing from others and mm -hmm. speaking into your life. Yeah, mine's along along that same line of just the role of having a strong community of people um, that you are connected to. Um, cause even if you're going to, even if you go into the dating process, if you don't have a strong support community, let's say you're, you know, you find someone you date for a while and you get really invested, but then it fizzles out and mm -hmm. you don't, and if you've got like a, a really rough breakup and you don't have that support of people around you, um, that's really, that can be really, really hard. Um, mm -hmm. and are you even dated in a way that you kind of pushed away friends? Sure. Yeah, you so then when you did break up now, you don't have anyone to fall back on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, fulfillment is not going to be found in one person. I mean, even even with marriage, like, like there's times in the morning when I want to have a real deep philosophical conversation. Because when I wake up, I am I am ready, ready for go. the day. I am I am awake and ready from the time I open my eyes to the time I close them. Generally, um, it's a bit of an Let's talk about the problem but, of evil this morning. Yes, kind Over of some bacon and eggs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really intense conversation, and Heather's mornings look different to her. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. So I have people that I go to first thing in the morning if I have something really heavy mm -hmm. on my mind and we will talk about it. And it's great. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just understand that fulfillment as a person doesn't come from a relationship. Um, mm -hmm. Dating is a beautiful thing. Marriage is a beautiful thing. Um, but I think, and this this goes into even for the church, um, and this is probably what you're also talking about, but how do we really show that people can find fulfillment and value whether or not they're in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess if you want to be technical, like the true like agape love that like mm -hmm. if you dig into it is what's talked about in the New Testament and, and, and the mm -hmm. closeness of friendship um, and what that looks like. That is so important. And, and ultimately, I mean, that's that's the type of friendship that I, I desire for Heather with us is to mm -hmm. have a, a, a true deep friendship in addition to um, our romantic, you know, relationship together. Um, that's, yeah, that's just something that I think we really, really, I would encourage people to lean into is, is, is even asking yourself, um, why am I dating and what am I looking for, um, in a romantic partnership in that sense? Mm -hmm. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Sweet. This yeah. has been great guys. Oh, uh, I have one more thing. Oh, do oh, it. I was going to say for the church specifically, um, cause you asked how could the church support? Yeah. I think if churches can. Um, mm -hmm. also not because with pre 
with a lot of premarital programming or counseling um and it's good um often though i've seen people just go to a spiritual mentor or leader Mm -hmm. um, such as a pastor Mm -hmm. someone in the church to to do a couple sessions with them um Mm -hmm. and like there's absolutely a spiritual aspect and preparation Mm -hmm. to it um and that's super important but at the same time there's also like really like there's other types of practical stuff that you're going to get from a marriage and family therapist and perspective mm-hmm. that they're going to have that is also beneficial. So for the church, what mm-hmm. does it look like to provide that? Whether it's through subsidizing for, for couples who are dating, um, having someone, if, if they do have someone um, on church staff who is able mm-hmm. to resource in that way um, and provide more professional counseling. Um, and mm-hmm. I've seen the other church I used to go to, they provided um, some of those curriculum and they would do that yeah. in, a, in a engaged couples class. They provided um, I think they did like prepare and enrich or one of the, Oh yeah. Yeah. One and enrich. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they did that for, for an engaged couples class. So yeah, those things, I think just having more resources, mm-hmm. um, and being able to, if not provide them, at least point people to them and encourage them to look into yeah. them rather than, um, sticking to some of the more traditional mm-hmm. ways of doing that. Well, just because your pastor's been married for 30 years doesn't mean he's an expert on marriage or even premarital preparation. He's maybe an expert on his own marriage. Yes. Um, but pastors sometimes give terrible advice mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. or only give advice when you need more of a reflective kind of piece, mm-hmm. which is what a counselor is. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe last quick question. If you could recommend one book for someone preparing for marriage, what would it be? What's that book that she gave us? Oh, yes. That was... Oh, gosh. I Kissed Dating Goodbye? No, 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 no. no, no. (laughs) Sacred Marriage? Yes. Yes. Sacred Marriage. Uh, Forget the dude's name. It has a green and reddish... (laughs) Not Christmas. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. It's in the show notes, everyone. Look in the show notes. (laughs) Sweet. Uh, Thank you, guys. This has been great. Thank Um, you let you guys get going so thank you and as always if you've enjoyed what you have heard today or enjoyed what this podcast is doing and what is it about it would help us out greatly if you could leave us a review and if you could subscribe to the podcast this helps us reach other people and this helps us fulfill what this podcast is ultimately trying to do which is bring hope to those who are trapped those who are struggling and those who are wondering what to do with sexuality. We hope that Heather and Miles' words today encouraged you in your premarital preparation, reframed how you view marriage, and ultimately made you feel hope for your relationship. And as always, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.